Welcome to episode 30 of Lights in the Sky podcast, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And uh, I'm Tony, but uh, I wonder if you can tell from our voices which one is seated and which one is upstanding for the 30th episode. Should we have a Twitter poll? No. <laughs> <laughs> it never works. They always go so well. <clears throat> um, yeah, one of us might sound different. <laughs> Should we reveal at the end see, of the show? If you could see what I could see. <laughs> the nonsense that's, that is in front of me. Uh, Paint the picture. Oh, okay, so it's already ridiculous enough that our studio features are one desk and one ironing board as the, uh, <laughs> the podcasting apparatus. That's, that's how you know that this isn't a professional podcast, because <laughs> they're still using an ironing board. Uh, but do you add that? Uh, I guess you can add it an upturned... I must say that the rubbish bin is an expensive, nice-looking designer rubbish bin. Rubbish bin, though. Yeah. <laughs> rubbish <laughs> like, bin still. still the, a good rubbish bin is still a rubbish bin. Waste paper basket. Yeah, and it's uh, turned upside down on top of the awning board, which has a massive rip in it, by the way, and we have been just discussing that it does need replacement. Yeah, uh, I mean... If should you we crowdfund a- for replacing our uh, iPod... iPod? <laughs> We're talking about iPod. <laughs> iTunes? iPod? Podcast. <laughs> iPod? <laughs> I think if you're going to replace the awning board, you could at least have the decency to choose one that's up to about my mm, mouth height so you can do that upstanding piece <laughs> yeah for our ipod i mean podcast i mean <laughs> iphone I, 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 so confusing. i'm standing tony's still sitting yeah and this chair is actually hurting my bum bum <laughs> <laughs> that's a throwback to last week yeah <laughs> like my wallet's on the side it sort of pumps it up a wee bit is your wallet in your bum bum pocket it's still in my bum bum oh, pocket that's controversial <laughs> after last week you weren't happy with bum bum pocket, so no. And I was done? like, literally, like just before we started, I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, "Look at that sagging bum bum pocket." <laughs> <laughs> Is it the sort of thing that you can't change now because the bum bum pockets too saggy? No, I can still change it. I just need to sort of probably It'll go on a spiritual an journey to adjust myself. Yeah, to... how long do you think that adjustment period might be? Well, how long have I been bum bum pocketing? Like years and years. Do you think it has to be the same amount of time? <laughs> Surely not. Uh... No, I might try. I reckon like, after a week, a week and a half, I might try like hypnosis. You know how they <laughs> can do that, it's like stop yourself smoking and eating. So see if, go on Amazon and see if there's any um, pre-loved cassettes of how to hypnotize yourself out of loading up your bum bum pocket. Do you know what I was thinking about today? I was thinking about Kevin Trudeau's mega memory for some reason. What does that ring a bell? Uh, do you? It used to be like a terrible infomercial where he would like give you like twenty five oh, cassettes yeah. and you'd listen to them and it tells you how to remember things. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I and I was remembering something. And I thought, ah, that rem- I, I rem- that reminds me of Kevin Trudeau's mega memory, which I guess <laughs> is like a weird kind of link back to it anyway. So yeah. I guess it's working. Yeah, I kind of like. I think I got Mum to buy it for me because I was like, I really want to do this. <laughs> I listened to like two of the cassettes. They were I, cassettes. I think I remember that. Was it base? You were trying to base it around your maths studies. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I can do maths with this <laughs> and i bought it listened to it and i was like this is bullshit i'm doing this <laughs> were they actually cassettes yeah they were cassettes and they came mm. in like you know like those big kind of um like art folders that used to be in the past like we'd have like a big like sort of like a briefcase with like all the sort of art supplies yeah. and felts and crayons like and a 1990s blockbuster video case where it had like the um like a big plastic molded thing with like tabs for your thumbs to go in and pull stuff out is that the sort of thing? Uh, this is like art case size, though. When it was <laughs> oh, absolutely really? massive, but I had those 25 cassettes in there. So art case size would be like an A3 piece of paper? Yeah, probably like, oh, how would you say, sort of almost like 60 centimetres across. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And yeah, massive. What's that in like US measurements, like three yards uh, across? $10, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 10 US dollars. Beautiful. Um, shall we crack into some things? Yeah. Um, I've got some admin. To oh, get to. Big Show Admin. <laughs> big Show Admin. Ah. Just as an homage. Do we have a sting for that? Um, firstly, I'm wondering if there's any point in going on with this episode. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, so, Nine News Australia has posted up a article saying that the end of the world might not be seven billions, billion years away after all. In fact, don't make too many plans for this Sunday. Okay, so... There's a problem here that this is the this episode comes out on what the 29th, 30th of September. Yeah. So <laughs> there's no point. Okay. 
All right. Should we just turn it off? Should we take our cans off? <laughs> Rubbish cans. Them up. Garbage All right, cans. See ya. <laughs> Bye, podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, it was Are fun. Are we turn it off or what? Uh, should we do it anyway? Okay. I mean, I haven't got anything else to do. So. <laughs> okay. Um, so, the scientific community's decades-long debates of doomsday theories. Is planet, There's a typo in this. Is this Planet X again? Doomsday theories. Doomsday. Concerned, <laughs> Doomsday. <laughs> concerning Earth's eventual demise has a new contributor. The evangelical publication Unsealed has produced a four-minute video explaining why we should probably make Saturday night a big night. Sounds like if they're going to do like an end of the end of the world video, four minutes is it? Is that enough for that to explain it? Why well, wonder what the merit of even telling anyone is? Why aren't you just like ah? It's no point. What's the point? To be fair, every time someone says this, it's wrong. So that's the thing. One hundred percent of the time, it's wrong. It's so wrong. far, so far. So I mean, this unsealed guys could. I guess they could be on the money, but <laughs> is it really worth throwing it out there? Like Christian numerologist David Mead claims a verse in the Bible proves the world will collide with another These planet. These are always so cryptic. As <laughs> named well. Nibiru around about Sunday. That planet, he says, is home to ancient aliens called the Anunnaki, who he claims created humans. It Na- just sounds like Scientology or something. NASA has no record of the killer planet, with no record of it ever having been sighted by astronomers. That hasn't stopped <laughs> Mr. Mead from making his bold prediction that he based on verses and numerologic- numer- numerical codes in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus lived for 33 years. The name Elohim, which is the name of God to the Jews, was mentioned 33 times in the Bible, Mr. Mead told the Washington Post. It's a very biblically significant, numerologically significant number. (laughs) I'm talking astronomy, I'm talking the Bible, and I'm merging the two. So what was the other 33 I've lost again? Like, it just sounds so So pointless. Jesus lived for 33 years. Yeah. The name Elohim, which is the name of God to the Jews, was mentioned 33 times in the Bible. September 23rd is 33 days since the August 21st solar eclipse, which Mr. Mead believes is an omen. Hasn't that happened like... Haven't solar eclipses happened for like ever? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The world is not ending, but the world as we know it is ending, he said. He's now even suggesting that Nibiru, which is sometimes referred to as Planet X, there we go. <laughs> will miss Earth because, but cause massive volcanic eruptions, tsunamis, and earthquakes. His prediction is not only being dismissed by NASA, but also by people of faith. <laughs> you basically get a made-up expert in a made-up field talking about a made-up event. It sort of justifies that there's a special secret... N- a special secret number codes in the Bible that nobody believes. Professor Graham, uh, director, executive director of Wheaton College's Center of Evangelism. So, should we just bow? Yeah, I tried to before, but um, I realized we had nothing else to do. So oh, that's why we still... Okay, we'll carry on then. Um, thoughts on that? Plans um, for Sunday? Yeah, I, I have to say that... Um, this happens a lot, and I love. I, I do find entertaining how they find the rhyme and reason <laughs> to suggest that the end of times is upon us. Yeah. By like reading into like, oh, it's been uh, two thousand seven hundred and fifty-one hours uh, since I last picked my nose, which also means <laughs> is two thousand seven hundred and fifty-six uh, letters in uh, this long word <laughs> that's in the Bible. <laughs> um, that's I'm- a probably a really. Um, it's probably that's an example of probably one that's less likely to be true because I, I can't help I but think uh, a word. I can't help but think with Mr. Trick we should have started the podcast like three or four weeks earlier so that, that was the 33rd episode that weekend as well should we just make this a 33rd episode I mean who cares it's going to hold us up on it <laughs> <laughs> just, let's just let's just like put like three out tonight <laughs> yeah, really short ones yeah really short ones saying like, stay tuned for yeah. episode 33 <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, the other little piece of admin I had was around sending things out. Okay, so um, 
from time to time our dear I listeners. I feel like I'm in trouble because like, I'm in the classroom and you're standing up and look with your arms on your hips listen, staring at me. Listen to me. And listen. I'm sort of like cowering in this corner over here. I feel so small. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should I call you daddy? Yeah, you need to wait on a seat outside while I set up all the equipment and then I'll just call you in. Do you want me to call you daddy? No. Okay. Did you call your ex-teacher's daddy? No, <laughs> it, just, really it just seems like with the way you're standing and talking down to me, it makes me feel like I should be calling you daddy. <laughs> you're like, you do what daddy wants. <laughs> God. <laughs> Moving on. Like my B, like daddy wants Moving a Moving on daddy, quickly. Daddy wants a sip. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I um, went to the post office this week to send out um, a... So weird kind of couple of things to dear <laughs> listeners of ours there's just no one in there <laughs> they haven't seen a customer in six months <laughs> yeah. um so uh from time to time our listeners will send us in a story to read out um about a paranormal goings on or they might um send us a hypothetical question for me to pose to you um this week i went to send one to one of our listeners in america the US of America. Yeah, the US of A. America, boy. And um, I got one of those post office ladies that has a real agenda with life and uh. really needs to get something over somebody and just to make herself feel better. So I had a badge, or what Americans would call a button, about, what's that, four centimeters in diameter? Yeah, do the American conversion. Two and a half inches. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, tiny little thing one of them in an envelope with a piece of paper and um addressed to um, this place in america um slid it across the counter bearing in mind i've done this plenty of times before um slid it across the counter and um the the horribly unpleasant teller on the other side of the um counter teller from pen and teller <laughs> There's a nice derailment there, <laughs> which I'll dodge and carry yeah, he got on. excited for a second. He doesn't talk, <laughs> so that would be trouble. Um, so they said, um, what's in it? Oh, and in I a was, tiny wee envelope, right? Yeah, in an envelope. Just in a, just a regular standard-sized envelope. See, this is your opportunity to recruit her to the podcast. What's in it? There you go. Door open, <laughs> golden opportunity to get her on board. So I said to her, um, uh, just a piece of paper and a badge. Same thing I've sent many times previously and she said a badge i said yeah just like a like a badge like a little metal badge it's like metal <laughs> like yes and she said wow it's not going to be able to go standard post <laughs> why because metal can't go standard post <laughs> and i said well it always has um and then i didn't think much of it and i said um okay well how much for non-standard post then she's like it'll have to go as a package but if it's an envelope and i was like it's an envelope it's 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 an envelope that i've seen plenty of times before trust me on this it'll fit through the little measuring slot thing that they hold up to the thing we got this it'll be two dollars seventy um and then um she didn't get the measuring thing out she just said uh non-standard post it'll be fourteen dollars (laughs) ninety to send (laughs) (laughs) and i said what's changed i've done this four or five times before and she said well obviously whoever served you didn't do their job properly oh my god it's going to be fourteen dollars ninety and then proceeded to hand me a customs form to fill out to send this badge to america (laughs) and i said she while she was handing me the form she starts um giving me the whole spiel about um how the u.s won't let anything through their their on their side i said well they've done it four or five times in the past have I just got lucky then? Um, uh, yeah, told her I think this is ridiculous. I'm not. Sp- I'm not paying fourteen dollars ninety for this. Um, filling out the form there. It's, it's good it's swag. Declare let's, a fa- <laughs> let's just admit it's good swag. It is. It is good. But it's not fourteen dollars. I had swag. to um, on the on the customs form. It was asking me for a dollar value, and I was like, like two cents, fifty cents <laughs> yeah. max. <laughs> like we're being generous. <laughs> I mean, really valuable, obviously, but yeah. Well, it's the I, 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 I You go low for customs, right? In case it gets do, dirty. The likelihood is, if if you knew the true value of that, I mean, I mean, okay, the physical cost of this of the button, very little, but yeah, I mean, the prestige of having a, a, a lit's butt. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't bullion. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, but 
I said, this is ridiculous. Grabbed my envelope and bailed. I was like, I'll try again another day. Um, and hopefully just get a different teller who's going to... See that to her face? Yeah. I said, no, I didn't say I'll try again. I said, this is ridiculous and walked out while she's still mid-sentence explaining this thing to me. I was furious. I ducked down in my, um, in my lunch break and everything. And she'd be blaming you for that. Yeah. Said, oh, that's prick of a guy coming. <laughs> exactly. So then I thought, now stuff this. And went back the next day, the very next day, same lunch break. Was Rosalind still there? <laughs> um, Sounds like Yes, she was. Right? I, I, oh God. Say, I, got, I ended up getting the same teller. You got Rosalind again. Yeah, but here's how I dealt with it. I said, I, I held up the same envelope. She definitely recognized me. And I said to her. <laughs> I can't believe we went back and faced this. Yeah, I couldn't handle again. it. I was, a part of me was like, this will make a really good story for the podcast. So I've got to do it. Yeah. Um, I put the envelope up on the counter and I said to her, if this envelope was empty, how much would it cost to send to America? And she said. Well, it's just going to be paper in there, isn't it? I, and I, I really dialed up the smug and I said, sure. <laughs> and then she said, well, if it's, well, if it's only paper, it'd be $2.70 as long as it's under the weight limit and the thickness limit. I said, can I have a $2.70 stamp, please? And then, um, and then, uh, do they do $2.70 stamps? They do. Yeah. Oh, I it's, guess. I guess it's weird values. That, yeah. It's yeah, like the standard charge. The standard overseas rate, $2.70. Yeah. So I said, can I have a $2.70 stamp, please? Actually make it two, because I've got a couple of these to send. Got two $2.70 stamps from this woman um, while holding the envelope that she said I couldn't send and uh, wandered out. She was filthy. She was wild. You could see her fuming because uh, I was quite clearly going to put that stamp onto that envelope and drop it into a letterbox. And there's nothing she can do about it. (laughs) Exactly. And it will make it. Yeah. (laughs) Like all the other ones in the past. So, yeah, that's my story about that. What weird vendetta she's got. I know, right? One of those people who just needs to make other people's lives miserable. I've said on this podcast, I don't think I hate anyone, but I would come close to hating those sorts of people. I would come close. Yeah, I, well, I, I wouldn't come close. I'd definitely hate them. Be... <laughs> <laughs> I went back the to my hate. desk. I went back to my desk and, at work and um, said to the guy next to me, want to help me burn down a post office? <laughs> <laughs> Was that ready? <laughs> um, that's about the highlights of my week. Anything um, strange, daring, paranormal happened to you this week? Well, um, all my travel's been grounded due to this fuel crisis. Oh, yeah. So this is this really Give weird thing. a backstory thing. here. So what but happened... This is, a gra- again, great fodder for a paranormal podcast. Yeah. So effectively, all the infrastructure in New Zealand is held together by, like, uh, like tooth floss. Like, <laughs> there's, like, nothing... Yeah, it all revolves around a single point of failure. Yeah, there's absolutely, yeah, there's no redundancy for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had big, we've had issues in the past with, like, the power to our biggest city just goes out because there's, like, one cable and it, and it breaks or bursts <laughs> or that. So same thing happened with fuel. So to get all the fuel from the refinery in Northland, mm-hmm. we're so creative. So Northland is in the, the North, North Island, Land. which is the north <laughs> of the North Island. The land that is northernmost in the country. So to get um, the fuel from Northland to Auckland, why do you have everything land? Why is land and everything? Just gone. <laughs> it just annoys me now. <laughs> um, so to uh, Tamaki Makoro, Makoro, Makaurau? Makoro. Makoro. Yeah. Which is uh, Auckland and Māori. Um, it comes through like a single 24 centimetre pipe. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. 24 so, centimetre. Do the conversion. So we had lots of centimetres on this on this body so far. Yeah. So someone drove a digger through it <laughs> on a farm. Well, they were looking for like a cowrie root. What's, what's <laughs> looking that? For, looking what? for a root brew. <laughs> <laughs> what's the value of cowrie root? Is it something it's, you eat? Definitely not 60 something, 70 million dollars. <laughs> I heard on the radio on the way over that um, they're back to close to operational stuff now 50 percent right we can airlines can take 50 percent of their fuel mm-hmm. so it was they're only able to take 30 percent for the last week so that's caused some good shenanigans for your work yeah yeah nice and just um means that everything is groundy <laughs> so yeah um it's it's great great fun awesome so um nice anything else to add no nothing else <laughs> no run-ins with post office workers no, just waiting with that thing in the post. <laughs> My AliExpress cup holder. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, um, got, got, got Earl back. Actually, that was something we could mention. Oh, yeah, go got, on then. Got Earl back. And I think I found the device under the seat that they used to break into the car. Mm. It was um, because there was some sticky goo on. Because <laughs> yeah. we thought maybe the person got in the car and got too excited and maybe made a wee mess. Yeah, one of those people that gets off on mm. theft. Mm. But there was some sticky goo on, like, the driver's con- side controls for all the windows. And... Um, when I was doing a wee clean out yesterday, opened the driver's door, went under and found this um, sort of like tool that was all kind of sticky. And we're thinking maybe lubed up <laughs> yeah. to the marks. Greased it up. To the marks. Yeah. And then stuck her in. Yeah, do you think they'd use, is it Vaseline? Because it's that could, colour, I, isn't it? I thought it was Vaseline, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought it was. And yeah. turned, yeah, managed to get in the car, uh, closed the door with some of the sticky Vaso on their hands, <laughs> dropped the tool playing with their tool maybe <laughs> while playing tool on the radio because <laughs> i think it was on hell yeah and um yeah cruised off down the road until they crashed into the traffic island <laughs> beautiful <laughs> so yeah got the car back that's good there you go mm. this is a good update so we're doing service take two <laughs> on monday just to get some of the repairs done uh, but these are unrelated to the theft this is more related to the leaking uh odds and sods beautiful should we crack into something paranormal? Mm, I think so. I think we've done enough admin. Yeah. How do we draw to a close admin? Do we still do a sting to an outro sting? No, this isn't... We're not stealing stings. We didn't intro sting. No, we didn't. No, outro sting. Do an outro sting now. Um, what if I like hit lots of keys on my keyboard? And that was the admin. <laughs> I don't know if all those MacBook Air annoying noises can be heard, but my MacBook Air is not happy with me. <laughs> so this time around, it's uh, my turn to enlighten our viewers with a nice shallow it's dive. It's always your bloody turn. <laughs> <laughs> nice shallow dive into um, something paranormal. So I'm going to um, enlighten you with a tale, more of a theory of um, some strangeness. Okay. Um, bear with me. Late at night, on October 4th, 2002. It's coming up to October. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing in, in 2002, October-ish? Uh, school. Right. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Probably not late at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's the year the Warriors made the grand final. That's a good one. Oh, yeah, maybe. They would, have, they would have just lost the grand final. Or maybe it was that day. October 4th was a Monday. Okay, they would have just lost. Oh, the wait, grand that's two thousand and four. Anyway, it's a Friday. <laughs> yeah, we got to determine what year a team no one. I guess follows. the four, just even got in a, this country, <laughs> I guess the four got in my head, and I was thinking two thousand four. So October two, two thousand four. October fourth, two thousand two. <laughs> a strange guest appeared on a cult American radio show, Coast to Coast AM, with Art Bell. Had a reputation for exploring weird themes with fascinating guests. But few had ever sounded as excited as this one. Dallas Thompson was a former personal trainer who had spent his youth in Hawaii, but now lived in Bakersfield, California. Do you really know he was a former personal trainer? Is that important? How would you know? Why is that important to the story? Maybe you'll find out. Okay, I doubt it's important to the story. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) You just found out. (laughs) Um... His life had changed forever following a terrible accident. Five years earlier, he had been driving along Highway 58 during heavy rain when his car had aquaplaned, spinning four times only to plunge backwards down a 250-foot drop. Do the conversion. <laughs> can, can I can only do it from centimeters to the inches. I can't do it. I can't do it anything else to anything else. All right. When Thompson was found, the roof of his blue Honda, you'd like that. I did have a blue Honda. Yeah. The roof of his blue Honda Accord, Ida Concerto, yeah. had, which is a fancy European name, had been crushed almost to the floor. The fireman who rescued him was amazed he hadn't been decapitated as he'd been sitting helpless in the wreck. Thompson had a vivid near-death experience. He claimed to have seen a light so bright it burnt his eyes and made him legally blind, and to have had bizarre knowledge about the world poured into him. When he regained consciousness, he was, he was convinced that the earth was hollow and had an opening at the North Pole. See where I'm going with this? Are we going to the North Pole? 
going to see Santa. <laughs> exactly. He'd come on coast to coast to discuss his mission to locate and explore it. Oop, knocking the knocking the ironing board, the which is knocking the, doesn't work too I'm knocking, well this, yeah. <laughs> knocking the the computer, which is knocking the ironing board, which is knocking the rubbish bin, which is knocking the mic stand, which is knocking the mic. So that's what that was. <laughs> explain it again i'm very confused i knocked the computer which knocked the ironing board which knocked the rubbish bin which knocked the mic stand which knocked the mic and it made that noise and it was worth pointing out that's beautiful (laughs) um he went on to say there are cavern systems and caves that traverse the whole mantle he told bell so just so for a second so somebody has a car crash yep and he's he said he was he's now legally blind because of a bright light as as information was poured into him through his eyes who knows are they like the human usb like port or something but he woke up or he came out of the accident with um a huge amount of clarity over knowing that essentially there's an opening to get into the inside of the earth located at the north pole okay so he's pretty sure of it. He said, there are cavern systems and caves that traverse the whole mantle. Um, he told Bell, who Bell being the host of the radio show, whose skepticism often took the form of slightly extended silences. Worth noting, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> because of the special atmosphere in the well, hole. What did he used to do for a job again? I, I mean, it sounds like that was important and I may have forgotten. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember this whole time you previously was a personal trainer. Oh, yeah. They actually, do, you think, if you think about it, it adds up. That personal trainer blue Honda thing. Yeah. It's going to come back around, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure it will. It's very important, the story. That's why they've mentioned it several times. Um... Because of the special atmosphere in the hole, Thompson explained, living creatures were protected from pollutants and harmful rays. There were herds of mammoth and ancient tribes down there, the members of which lived to be 1,700 years old. Okay. How do you know all this? asked Bell. I just do, said Thompson. (laughs) I remembered stuff that has been long forgotten. This is just like these crazy evangelists who predict the end of the world. (laughs) Just come up with a theory and just all of a sudden their ideas are being shared. Okay. Perhaps most incredibly, Thompson revealed he used to be a personal trainer and drove a blue Honda. (laughs) What? (laughs) Really? He also had secured funding to travel to the hole with a helicopter backpack (laughs) called a Solo Trek. Helicopter backpack. Woo! <laughs> Who like needs a blue Honda? Some Inspector Gadget BS there. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, which he'd used to, he would use to descend into it. He even had a date for the trip. May 24th, oh, 2003. He'd gone like on Tinder. Miriam. Yeah. <laughs> he found Miriam on Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I like, he swiped right. I like exploring deep holes. <laughs> And, and long she walks was, on the beach. Yeah, she was down for that exploration of her deep hole. Yeah. Oh, Ton. <laughs> Get out. Yeah. Sorry, I'll leave. <laughs> the second time I'm leaving the podcast. <laughs> Let me take my cans off. Oh, it doesn't matter because no one's going to hear this anyway. Oh, okay, It'll be the right. end of the Some listen actually won't go up. Yeah, no one's going to judge you for whatever you say. <laughs> Over the next few months, news of Thompson's expedition spread. He began to receive emails from media companies keen to report the story and many more from both critics and admirers. The sprawling book he'd written, which included his theories about Hollow Earth, began to How many pages do you think is a sprawling book? It's a hyperlink, so let me see. I reckon, like, it has to be at least 500 pages. Let's go higher or lower. Let me see. Higher than uh, 420. Higher than 420? Yeah. (laughs) It's quite funny, actually. Why? (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Wait, what? <laughs> we buying this book or what? Oh, man, do you want my, this, do you want my credit card to details? The, oh, see, no, I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up. Um, pad. Pad for me, Tom. Okay, do I need to sing? Amazon.com. <laughs> you sound confused. .co.au. <laughs> Is there many .orgs still around? Um, I don't have many .orgs. Change.org. Then he dot then he dot net. I I go to was um my plane geek website airliners.net. Yeah. I don't know any other dot nets. I'm thinking of. Really. Oh, there's um that I've dabbled in with um video production is videocopilot.net. 
That's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I'd like to know what's the least popular URL extension, but it's probably because there's so many these days. Amazon.com. This site can't be reached. What are you doing with your firewall in your house? Reload. I bet you it's um, just broken. Ooh, buy three, save two. Now with Alexa calling and messaging. (laughs) I'm on Amazon. My internet's not working. Look up Amazon and look up Dallas Thompson. And I don't know the name. Something about Hollow Earth. And then see how many pages it is, because that's real important, apparently. Dallas Thompson, personal trainer. (laughs) Blue Honda in brackets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I found um, Hunter S. Thompson. No. Confessions, better than sex, confessions of a political junkie. How many pages on that? Um, I don't know to find it. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> never mind. This might this might make more sense why we can't find it later. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in December 2002, two months after his radio appearance, he posted a message in his Yahoo group page. That's what you're doing in 2002, using Yahoo yeah. like it was an everyday thing. <laughs> Describing an inundation of over 5,600 emails every few days. Nice vague amount. Define, yeah, define few days. <laughs> and we had 5,600 is again a very old number. Here we go. He said his book, Cosmic Manuscript, oh. had become a bestseller, but he was pulling it from sale. That may be why we can't find it. I have requested the book be discontinued, even though it's still at the top of the charts in Canada. He wrote. (laughs) Go Canada. Well done. (laughs) And then the most mysterious event of all took place. All of a sudden, Thompson resigned as a a personal trainer. He sold his blue car and disappeared. (laughs) 172 pages. (laughs) 172. That's not not even that much. It's not sprawling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. uh, It's not available, though. I can't get it. Is that right? Story checks out. Must be true. For many centuries, humankind has dreamt of inner worlds. Numerous writers have been inspired by the idea, not least Tarzan creator Edgar Rice Burroughs. Always wanted to know who Tarzan creator was. Thank you for that. Edgar Allan Poe, and most famously Jules Verne, whose 1864 novel A Journey to the Centre of the Earth has been adapted numerous times for both stage, screen, and silent play. Thousands of contemporary theorists... Silent play? I added that. I was waiting to see if you'd notice. (laughs) Thousands of contemporary theorists discuss what's commonly referred to as the greatest ever secret on internet forums. On YouTube, videos videos claim that the satellite images on Google Earth have been altered to cover up the existence of the holes, while other videos claim (laughs) the hole... It's just white. (laughs) Just a big censored logo. (laughs) Other videos claim the holes are there for all to see. Have you heard... I have seen websites where the holes are there for all to see, and you have to be adult to view those. Yeah, I mean, those are the videos that claim the holes are there for all to see. Ancient Greeks, Tibetan Buddhists, and Christians all located their iterations of hell in in caverns under the mantle. Pilgrims used to journey to Station Island, and definitely not Staten Island, Station Island off the coast of Co-Donegal, where they believed their existence existed an entrance to purgatory while the old oh, legends of go there. <laughs> take photos <laughs> purgatory. get the devil's autograph but he's not there either it's oh just, no he's not there either it's, it's just, just sort of like you limbo sort of, yeah it is you go there oh, okay just yeah just do nothing it's like what well, you know, it means like you know you sort of well you know you weren't bad you weren't great but <laughs> you have a suffer in this room yeah. just like it seems to be just like a white room you sort of sit there all the mag- you pick up a magazine, all the Sudoku's done, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, I guess I can't do this. It's like a dentist's office then. Yeah. Covering. The, wait- the waiting room of a dentist. Yeah. Top where of you're the, either top waiting of the magazines for a- have all been ripped off, and you're like, <laughs> Where oh. you're either waiting to get a filling, or you're waiting to just get a checkup. <laughs> you never know. But the checkup never comes. No, um, the check does. <laughs> get out for the third time. Cans are off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the old legends of Mexico describe a mountain near mountain cave near Ojinago inhabited by devilish creatures from the way down deeps. 
The 18th century astronomer Royal Edmund Halley believed that the unusual compass was reading... Was his first name Royal? Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, I think it's a nickname because his thing was to always wear a crown. Wherever <laughs> he went. But it wasn't even one of those good ones. It's one of the ones out of like a um, Christmas cracker. Oh, one I thought, paper yeah, ones. I, I even thought, even, I thought even like a Burger King um, kids club crown <laughs> could be better than that. But no, he's got the <laughs> the crown out of a Christmas cracker. Royal Which Edmund. I always wear, to be honest. I always what? put those on. What? When you pull a Christmas cracker, you get the crown out. I always put them on. Do you oh, put yeah. Them on? Yeah, of course. Yeah, good. I'm the rebel that puts them on upside down. <gasps> so the jaggedy bit points down. Oh, my God. You, totally badass. You could you could, you could, could really suffer some chronic injuries there. <laughs> and you live in the countryside. That could be yeah. hours to get medical attention. I know right. I've injured myself in your, in your neck of the woods and it took hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Royal Edmund Halley believed that unusual compass readings could be explained by the fact that the planet was composed of a hollow shell, two inner concentric shells, and an innermost core about the diameters of the planets Venus, Mars, and Mercury, respectively. Okay. One of the most famous hollow Earth theorists, a true pe- predecessor of Thompson, was a veteran of the 1812 Anglo-American War, John Symes. In his book, Banvard's Folly, Paul Collins recounts the theory of concentric spheres and polar voids that preoccupied the soldier. Symes published a pamphlet in which he wrote... That's... Go, say it. No, no. <laughs> 172 pages in a pamphlet is still a fairly poor effort for an inner... Um, it's like this could be absolutely like like life-altering if yeah. you publish a pamphlet. <laughs> Published a oh, it doesn't make that 172 pages look half-assed anymore, does it? In which he wrote, I declare that the concentric sphere... Oh, sorry, hang on, I've skipped a line. Oh, sorry, no. this is a short pamphlet and I've screwed it up. It almost sounded like you were doing an impression there with that idea. I declare... I declare oh, nice. Your first impression. That the Earth is... This is just how I normally talk. Mm, sounds like your first impression ever. <laughs> <laughs> sounds yeah. like you're breaking new ground here. You've got to make a good first impression? Hey. <laughs> I declare that the Earth is hollow and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that is open to the poles, 12 or 16 degrees, and you did a good of the first impression. Well, well done. First, end of first impression. Round of applause from the gallery. Yep. He pledged his life to promoting his notion, boldly declaring, I am ready to explore the hollow. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> he toured the US with a handmade wooden globe that opened out to reveal its secret layers, Conver- converts, converts, and ever increasing numbers. Converts and ever increasing numbers began, in converse. began petitioning the government to finance his adventures on March 7th, 1822. What were you doing then? Dead. Not born. Not dead. Yet to be born. Hmm. Senator Richard Thompson presented a case to Congress that Symes, to be, Symes was to be supplied with the equipment of two vessels of 250 to 300 tons for the exhibition and the granting of such other aid as the government may deem requisite. During the debate, it was suggested that the Committee for Foreign Relations become involved as the trip may well bring Symes and his crew into contact with new races of interior people. But the motion was to fail. Seven further bills were presented to the House, not one succeeded. How are you supposed to see in here? In the inner earth? Yeah. Does the core give you light? There's a, no, there's an inner sun. So, yeah, the core. Think of the core as an internal yeah, sun. Yeah, as an internal sun. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, he got some government backing to go and explore this thing and was um, told he was going to get a couple of ships. How was he going to get in there again? Um, it was more to find the hole and then, I guess, figure it out later. <laughs> I think um, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out at the time. Um, just determination. Just finding the hole is enough sometimes. <laughs> determination that's, and just yeah, that's glory a enough. positive attitude yeah. would get him in there. Symes spent the rest of his life lecturing and lobbying for the action, for action. In May 1829, writes Collins, Symes died, believing right up to the end that the greatest discovery in human history had eluded his grasp. 
that's kind of um, lame because there were people that said, yes, take all these things to go, and then they got committees involved, and then um, not one of the um, proposals actually made it through. So he never got to go. Should have put out more than a pamphlet. But still today, men grasp. One of them is Rodney M. Clough, author of World Top Secret, Our Earth is Hollow! Exclamation point. I was working on a New Mexico farm when I was 16 and the farm manager's son started talking about it, he says. Oh, that <laughs> must be true then. <laughs> Fascinated, he began reading up. I found evidence from the sculptures, history and science that our Earth is hollow as well as planets and the moon, even asteroids. So convinced was Clough that in 1981, he flew his wife and five children from New Mexico to a new life in Alaska. He just like flew them into the, into the earth and just hoping to pass through. He said, I thought, why don't we see if we can find the way to the hollow earth? Probably a good thing to say if you're going to find your way to the hollow earth. Apparently, um, somebody asked him, is your wife keen? He said, she wanted to go back home. She thought I was crazy, but we did it anyway. <laughs> Poor woman. Why is this a one-way sort of thing? Like, why aren't the people from the Hollow Earth wanting to like come out of Hollow Earth? Like, Surely that would be more appealing. Well, they said at the start it was to do with um, UV rays and other pollutants on the surface. It made them live for like almost 2,000 years apiece. So it would be too painful or harmful for them to venture outside the Hollow Earth. Yeah, I guess. In Alaska, Clough met a small group of people. You were going to interject? Sad. You feel sad for them? Yeah. I actually bought some SPF 50 plus moisturizer the other day, so I'd be willing to offer that to the hollow earth people. Would they... Okay. The weird thing is, like, if the... Yeah, I don't know. The the core, obviously, that they're deducing doesn't give off UV light. But gives off some light. Anyway. Some light, but not sunlight? Yeah. Um, in Alaska. How's that standing going for you? Really good. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I'm enjoying it. I think I sound better. Do you think I sound better? I just noted your diaphragm it looks better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was having issues with my diaphragm. Yeah. In Alaska, Clough met a small group of people who had travelled to the icy state with the same idea. Soon they were ready to embark upon their mission. We started on the road up to Point Barrow, he says. We saw a sign at one point saying, this is a private road, don't go any further. So we didn't go any further. What, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> they turned around and went back? How long did he drive before he reached the sign and aborted the mission? About an hour. <laughs> Less than an hour. Soon afterwards, the Clough family moved back south. So they'll stop by a This sign. is the worst exhibition. Exhibition? <laughs> it's really good. Like many believers, <laughs> Clough is convinced by the accounts of others who claim to have already found and even visited the inner earth. Chief among them is Carl Unger, a German sailor who, said to be part of a 1943 U-boat exhibition to the South Pole. You said exhibition as well. <laughs> Expedition. <laughs> No, there was a museum with it. Oh, no, nice. there's out there. U-boat exhibition, yeah. yeah and he, he put it together. He visited there. Based on the, war was still, based on the exhibition. The war was still raging, but he absolutely <laughs> bloody couldn't, couldn't top putting it either in exhibition. Yeah, based on his expedition so the to the North exhibition Pole. The expedition to the expedition. Um, is believed to contain descriptions of a land full of lush lakes, greenery, and woolly mammoths. Bird was actually at the South Pole at the time. <laughs> okay he even there's even a retired colonel in the u.s air force billy fay woodward who claims that he and his twin sister both hermaphrodites were born in the hollow earth no what hey? <laughs> you hear me him and his twin sister both hermaphrodites were born in the hollow earth Why? silence so <laughs> Can I ask you, I mean, we've heard the clarification about the, um, we had the personal trainer, we've had the blue Honda. Yeah. Why is it important that we know they're both hermaphrodites? Are you making that up? I swear it's written in, a, in the article. Why do we need to know that? Surely that's their business. Maybe their parts are going to come back into this. There's no way it can. 
I mean, there's been enough innuendo about these deep holes. That's kind of as sexual I thought as we were getting. But why do we need to know that this one's sister by the hermaphrodites? Billy Faye Woodward, who claims <laughs> that he and his twin again? sister, both hermaphrodites, were born in the hollow earth. Clough for his Are part. you spreading a rumour that people born in the hollow earth are hermaphrodites? Uh, no. I'm, I'm merely reading you what is clearly fact. <laughs> so, hermaphrod- Clough for his part. Tried to reach the hollow earth again in 2003. He received an email from a man named Steve Curry. Not the three-point shooter from the Golden State Warriors. Who recently inherited his family's travel from what your your Steve Curry? (laughs) (laughs) Who recently inherited his family's travel firm that specialized in far-flung expeditions? Curry had once heard his father talking about the Hollow Earth and was familiar with Clough's book. He'd he'd also always wanted to see a hermaphrodite up close. (laughs) (laughs) They decided to plan a new trip. We worked on it for several years, says Clough. The scheme involved chartering a Russian nuclear icebreaker that was <laughs> to take tourists to the North Pole. Once the basics were worked out, they began recruiting members. Steve was Steve was charging about $26,000 for a spot on the ship and got about 40 people to put down the money. Wow. Yeah, it's a deal. Before the voyage, they chartered a plane to fly over the pole to locate the opening. We were going to leave in August. (laughs) So childish. Let me read it again. They chartered a plane to fly over the pole to locate the opening. We were going to leave in August 2006, but in April of that year, Steve found out he had six inoperable brain tumors. Just before we were ready to fly, he died. Oh, no. See how I brought you up and then brought you down with my inflection. That's your diaphragm. (laughs) (laughs) Another member of the expedition, Dr. Brooks Agnew, was appointed as a new leader after renaming the operation the North Pole Inner Earth Expedition. That's a shit name. (laughs) That's a really shit name. I'm starting to think you're not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Something about just exclaiming shit name. Suggests to me you're not you're not a fan. Um, and raising yet more funding, they planned for a summer 2014 departure, but a further unexpected disaster befell them. Brooks Agnew resigned last September, says Clough. He had a major stockholder in his company withdraw all their money, saying it was because he was involved in an expedition to find the Hollow Earth. <laughs> And they realized he's fucking nuts. When another key member of the team died in an aeroplane crash, Clough began to wonder if mysterious powers were maneuvering against them. There seems to be some sort of force that's trying to stop this happening, he says. I think the international bankers are at... (laughs) (laughs) The bunkers. The bankers. I think it's the international bankers. They don't want the inner earth people messing around with their slaves here on the outer world. What? What? You heard me. You're a slave to your mortgage. <laughs> Specifically. Specifically. <laughs> and what about Thompson? His, his final posting on his Yahoo group page had been on January 11, 2003. Then he had vanished from Yahoo. Because <laughs> then we realized that no one uses Yahoo anymore and it wasn't so surprising. Adherence of the hollow earth theory writing in the chat forum couldn't help but speculate maybe there is some something someone did not want him to find it's quite a mystery or maybe just no one uses yahoo anymore that's it's quite a mystery it's probably more like it <laughs> you just maybe forgot his login <laughs> i haven't used this in six years reset password <laughs> i don't even use that email anymore i can't even send it to me <laughs> and that's in my you know, backup email's gone too i don't know it's quite a mystery said another before wondering if he had made his trip north Maybe he's there. The end. <laughs> that is a good tale. <laughs> um, so the theory is that uh, maybe he's in hiding. Maybe government forces or evil bankers made him disappear. Uh, <laughs> terrified <laughs> of the bankers. world-changing truths he was about to unleash. Maybe he did journey to the hollow earth. 
descended into it with his helicopter backpack and is now <laughs> prancing joyfully with the mammoths and the ancient tribes, li- tribes living in a paradise of pure air, personal training, blue Hondas, warm <laughs> climbs, and abundant food that will sustain him for another year, another 1,657 years. <laughs> or maybe none of this is true. And he's just overdosed on protein shakes. <laughs> the end again. <laughs> so backpack helicopters seem to be a thing that were like really amazing and, and sort of, I guess, tried to be things in like the 1940s, 50s and 60s. Yeah. Well, this was 2002, though. <clears throat> the, yeah, so there's just sort of no... No method to its madness. Any signs of um, Inspector Gadget style ones that come out of a hat? Effectively, several inventors have tried to make backpack helicopters with mixed results. You'd just go jetpack, wouldn't you? You'd think so. They're much closer with jetpacks (laughs) than getting a helicopter to work. That's spinning blade above your head. Exactly. You're just like. (laughs) (laughs) Really good. I just imagine it's got like a wee um, chain on it, like you do for like a wee light Mm. that you open it. Click, click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, like a ceiling fan. Yeah, exactly. And you reach little... up again, you're like... Oh. Be good to have a clap on, clap off. The clapper one. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that's my tale. I think... Uh, Do you think there's a hollow earth? Do you think it's real? Um. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. I'm going to differ and say, yes, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um... No, <laughs> no, but hey, who knows? Well, have you been to the very north of the world? No, I haven't. I haven't seen the big hole, so who yeah. knows? Big hole. I, do like I mean, this is a shallow dive. If I was went any deeper, my first look would be Google Earth <laughs> to see whether I could spot one. <laughs> big entrance sign. Um, but it'll be probably more than an hour's drive past a... Um, uh, sign saying, "What was it? Private, private property. Road. It was private road. <laughs> yeah. Like you see those all the time. Like yeah. private roads at the top of the. Um, like I think we've talked in the past how like I like to go out the back in supermarkets when they're private areas. <laughs> like if I can do that, if I can venture out to the back dock, then surely they can walk past the private road. Really side. weird thing about you. Um, yeah. So that's my story. Shall we good. move on? I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. All right." Um, um, just a quick refresher. What do we do next? Um, well, again, irrelevant because clearly end of the world by now. But just in case it isn't the end of the world by now, I'll let you enjoy your last gulps of beer. And have you finished yours? Hey, have you finished yours? Have I finished my beer? Yeah. No, I've been talking this whole time. You've been standing up and talking. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we'll jump into the final segment of the show called "Get Me Some Strange," where we look at some um, stories from the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Flick to a random page. Hope that we haven't visited already. Which happens from time to time. <laughs> yeah. I got to bring some post-it flags in or something. Yeah. Problem is, if you mark it like that, it's going to keep coming up. Okay, just, just stop mark it. Like, if we just tick, like, slide, like, a slash through the... Um... You just rip the page out. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you're going to flick through. I'll say stop, and then you'll read us a random tidbit yep, from so 1982's a... Finest Paranormal Stories. You give you a quick flick and see what you think. Cool. Uh, Have music? you started the music? We haven't started the music. It's your turn. Started it. Just go. Just want to take. Just, I want to take it in for a second. Don't take in. Hey, the world's ending. I want to enjoy this. <laughs> All oh. right, I'll give you five seconds of enjoying the music. I don't want five seconds. I'm done. <laughs> That's good because I was going to count the five out loud anyway. Good. All right, I'm going to flick. All right, flick. You. There's a really slow I flick. Know, a real We're about slow a quarter flick. of the way through now. <laughs> stopped on a page for a while you said stop does that mean I want to stop stop here stop right now oh. and tell me we haven't heard these ones already stop right now thank you very much <laughs> I need somebody with the crossword code breaker human touch <laughs> it doesn't make sense I know but it does when I read this you need yeah okay <laughs> what's so the section we're in yeah is something to do with 
Um, I think I saw that writing um, on paper. George. Yeah, see, I can see that one around around the dollar bill, saying that there's hidden codes in the dollar bill. Coinky dinks. Coinky dinks. Coinky dinky dinky doos. So, do you remember what page we got to? You yeah, look like yep. you've lost the page. No, I knew it. I knew where I was going back to. Okay, enlighten me while I sip on a beer. Okay, <coughs> found one. <coughs> I have the Ready crossword. Co- the crossword code breaker. I've already told you. Okay, <laughs> right. So, I'm going to have a beer. The Allied preparations for the invasion. I, I screwed up. Sorry, right. you have a beer. I just screwed up. Okay, we get, we'll try this again. <coughs> The Allied preparations for the invasion of Europe in 1944 were cloaked in unprecedented secrecy. Each phase—I'm oh, really not speaking well. Each phase of the operation, which was coded as Operation Overlord, was assigned its own code name. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I understand this, but is this paranormal? Because <laughs> so far, it's just—it's coincidences. But it's mysteries of the unexplained. You're just explaining something to me. Among the most important of these were Neptune, code for the naval initiative. Omaha and Utah, the designations mm-hmm. of two French beaches where landings were to take place. Where and the US soldiers were going to land. Yeah. Um, points if you can name the three British landing sites. Can't. Gold Juno Sword. Gold go. Juno Sword. Gold Juno Sword. Well, nice. Uh, and Mulberry... The code name for the artificial harbours to be used for beachhead supply. Oh, not beachhead. <laughs> you don't want to give sandy. Beach, you don't want to give beachhead. That gives you sort of um mm, sand in your <laughs> in your mouth. Ooh. Um, this I wrote a. This is a story about beachhead. Six and six form history. You wrote about getting beachhead. No, I wrote about. Dude, <laughs> we had well to done. do a st- we had to do a study of a film or TV show. That uh, based on historical events and explain the differences between the two. Oh, yes, I remember doing that. And I remember um, completely forgetting to do it on hand and day. Like I thought, I thought it was. Um, I still had another week or something, and I got to school, and someone asked me had I finished it, and I was like, uh, no. So I knew Band of Brothers so well. Oh, I'd watched yes. this one episode that I had on VHS so many times <laughs> that I'd recorded off TV <laughs> that I could even like list the supplies that were in the backpacks like there was a, a scene where they would rattle off everything in the um backpacks so i hold up in the library for an hour wrote on um refill pad Do you loose leaf refill? loose leaf refill and um listed all of these things i was probably the, uh, well i was the only one who handed it in a handed in something that wasn't printed because it wasn't real easy to just <laughs> get a computer and type it then um wrote this thing out on loose leaf and handed it in good marks i was like a minus nice based on just knowing all of this d-day landing stuff from the band of brothers episode go on okay we're talking about beachhead um okay 33 days before the scheduled date of the invasion these code names began to crop up in the london daily telegraph crossword puzzle on june 2 only four days before the invasion was launched the code overlord appeared given as a solution for the clue reading some big wig like this has stolen some of it at times okay okay Security men descended on the Telegraph's Fleet Street offices, certain that a Nazi spy had given the game away. Instead, they found a bewildered schoolteacher named Leonard Dorr, who had been compiling the paper's crossword puzzle for 20 years. (laughs) Eventually, he managed to convince the interrogators of his innocence. He had been guilty of nothing but an outrageous coincidence. That is a coincidence. Mm. How very interesting. Um, there's another quick one here. I'll do this one. Okay, do a quick one to finish up. Okay, wet winner. Pardon? Wet winner. <laughs> Pardon? When the New Jersey Central train plunged from a bridge into Newark Bay in 1958, cameramen rushed to the scene. One front page newspaper photograph showed the rear coach being winched out of the water with the number 932 clearly visible on its side. That day... 932 was the number chosen by thousands in the New York Gay Numbers Game, and that day New York what Numbers Game, <laughs> and that day nine, which I mean, assume is Lotto, yeah, lottery, and that day 932 was the winning number. 
And on that note, <laughs> this is both of these are kind of like those crazy uh, end of world conspiracy theorists. It's yeah. just nonsense pulled out of nothing. <laughs> that for some reason, you've made uh, you know made head or tail of something. You know. On that note, we're going to call that another uh, successful, highly successful. <laughs> this has been one of the worst ones. <laughs> highly successful podcast episode. My first time standing. I've enjoyed it. Hopefully, I won't stand for it. <laughs> Hence my. Uh, I don't know why I laughed so much at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually angry at myself for laughing at that. <laughs> um, we're going to call that a week. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed this one and will join us next week for another tale, another podcast containing tales tale. of the. <laughs> so, tales of the. Strange paranormal. Paranormal. The parents of the strange paranormal. Another casual chat about uncasual things. Hey, you repeated the tagline at the end for there the first go. time. That, I guess that's what you get after 30 episodes. <laughs> you start Something. realizing there's some sort of structure. New. <laughs> um, that's us for this week. We'll catch you next week. Alrighty, toodaloo.